Ragbag presents I Like the Sound, a celebration of the sound of things. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. A celebration of the sound of things. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. This week we're going to be talking about the use of non-musical instruments for the purposes of making music, sometimes on purpose, sometimes by happy accident. I'll be playing you my favourite song of all time later on as well, Orange by Pascal Pinon. I'm on my third year of podcasting now and I've been on the lookout for the opportunity to play the song. I could just play it on my other podcast, Ragbag, I suppose. It's more of a music-based show than this one, but the right time to do so has not materialised yet. So today's the day I'm going to be sharing this song with the world. It's not a very well-known song and I think lots more people need to hear it. As we will discover later on, it ties in quite nicely with the theme of this week's episode. In the background, you can hear the sound of me using my cheeks as a set of drums. I am not a musician, as you can probably tell. The good news is, I'll be talking to a bunch of musicians this week. Let's start off by hearing from David Ivar from Herman Dean. I guess, no, I've I've never really done like anything like Tom Waits or, you know, building my own instruments. But uh, I've been using whistles, you know, Acme whistles from uh, from the UK or you know stuff just like for to use as percussion or little sounds or samples um, there's a helicopter in one of my songs on the album uh, on the ballad of Herman Dune the helicopters of the LAPD you know that that oh, okay. are called here the ghetto birds and uh, so I used one that was just like you know uh, sort of uh, hovering over the studio and I recorded it, used it in the song. There's also, well, my cat meowing is uh, all over the album because he's always like, like right, right now he's with me, I hadn't noticed him, but he's always where I am kind of. And when I record, he's there. And uh, whenever he meows for food or whatever, I record him and uh, I put him in the songs, you know, in the background. So some people notice it or, or don't. I hate the sound of the ghetto bird, but I'll dig your song if you dig your words. Terminal Island is the place to be if you really, really, really want to be like me. High on rye and lost at sea, coming up the LBC. High on rye and lost at sea, coming up the LBC. Yeah, these are nice accidents when you, that's why, you know, sometimes it's not that good to be in a soundproof sort of room to record because, I mean, it can be really annoying on Fridays here when the the trash truck, the garbage trucks are, you know, uh, passing by the studio and I have to wait for like two hours to start recording. But uh, most of the time, you know, there's always like a good noise I can use. Uh, I have like crickets under the roof. I don't know but they make such loud songs. Most of the recordings I've done here, so Sweet Thursday, Santa Cruz Gold, and uh, Notes from Vinegar Hill, they have a lot of crickets, cricket sounds, um, totally 
um, you know, it's not, I didn't want to have them, but they're all over the place. I didn't realize I'm going to have to get open my ears a bit wider next time I listen to that. Well, they kind of sound like, you know, there's like feedback somewhere. There's like, but, uh, you know. But it's interesting that because there are things that are kind of accidentally there, and but people listen to it and they just assume that everything that's on the record was intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. isn't it isn't it the best though? Yeah, like even you know, I've always loved listening to a Velvet Underground record, and there's like someone, uh, you know, closing the door, and it's like you know, shut the door, or you know, like someone is like saying something somewhere, or Bob Dylan laughing in a, or coughing, you know, like everything that is sort of like puts you in the room with them, is always the best, and I think noises from the from the surrounding uh, environment are always good for that. You know, you're like with the person. When it's made up, you know, like a lot of uh, hip hop, we have like fake, you know, people like pretending to laugh and the beginning of a song, it's kind of silly. It's almost like a movie. But yeah. when it's like, when it's really happening, it's like, I think it's the best when there's something going on. Uh, another layer to the song, you know, you hear like someone is like, uh, opening a can of beer and you hear them at some point like it becomes like your favorite part of the song although it's like kind of trivial but it, it can be funny although you know if you're a band most of the time you want to erase that like you're because you don't think about it that way on the moment you know you're most of the time you know when something does like a noise something falls or you know the first like intuition is to go over it or to to do the song over but when you when you manage to or when you don't have the opportunity to go over it it's always your favorite thing now, i know that now but i still make the mistake of you know erasing something that happened that i hadn't planned you know and uh but it's always the best you know a lot of people love uh harvest you know uh, neil young album i love it myself and uh that one part where he touches the microphone stand with this guitar and there's like a in the middle of the song it's like you yeah. just love that one part you know it's just like you want to be there with them let's hear from asha uh like like i i released a song in i think uh september it was called still together it was about covid um, but in that song, I in the drums, I have like a door slam as a snare or something because I just think it's more interesting. I feel like it's kind of my ode to like Nine Inch Nails of using like kind of just very aggressive sound designy sounds as drums, uh, and then like throwing a bunch of distortion on them because then you can't really even tell what it is anymore. But uh, just think about that. I don't know. It just hits different than like using like a snare sample or something. We're all so alone, but we're still together, yeah. I need you 
Let's hear from Georgia Train. I've done pretty much everything and anything you can get your hands on. So, you know, chains, bits of wood, smacking against other bits of wood, body parts, you know, <laughs> literally, literally anything. Um, scraping your nails across something. Yeah, throughout the, the records that, that we've made, it's not so much using an object, but using your voice to create um, sounds that don't necessarily sound vocal. Um, I do love a bit of that. So like taking a, a vocal sample and then, you know, pitching it and making it uh, and really over-processing it and making it sound like something quite um, industrial or, or quite alien. That's that's sort of my favourite thing to do. So just really manipulate the voice. How, how do you go about picking these um, like uh, particular sounds to go into something? Like, are you working on something and then you just kind of think, oh, this could really do with the sound of some nail scraping against something? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's all frequencies um, for me. So when I'm thinking about a mix of something or an arrangement of something, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what what's missing? Um, and if it needs some top end or some, some low end, which is usually the case, then, um, you know, finding an interesting way to do that without it necessarily being, you know, bass if it's low end or um, high, some high strings if it's high end, because otherwise everything ends up sounding the same. And sometimes you just need a little sprinkle of, of something just to sort of sparkle on a couple of notes. Um, and that would be an opportunity, I think, to use just a very quick burst of a sound effect just to kind of um, lift something very quickly. And it, it can be very subtle. I mean, you know, scraping your nails across something sounds quite horrible. But actually, with the right mix, it would just lift the piece of music. And it would just at that particular point in time, just add that extra frequency that was sort of missing. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't hear it as, as scratchy nails at all. You'd just hear it as part of a wall of sound. Uh, have you ever come across um, something that accidentally made its way into a recording and it wasn't supposed to be there? Yeah, most of my music. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've had, uh, in my voice um, again, like little accidents and mistakes that I make. Um, quite often, I'll just sample. Uh, something and and distort it play around with it uh, little hiccupy sounds and stuff like that um, I also have had my demo tracks um, end up being you know kind of reversed and pitched up or pitched down and then used as a sound effect on a, a song as well yeah I love it when you can hear like animals in the background by accident so I've got a couple of cats at the moment and and one of our cats hasn't quite developed her meow yet so she sounds like she's just sort of chirping in the background and she sounds like this really weird half cat half bird uh, and so she's she's definitely going to end up on the record somewhere because that's a very unique sound. <laughs> so little things like that. Uh, I think on Fiona Apple's latest album, she's got her dog barking in the background quite a lot. So, yeah, uh, and, and that's um, I think that happens with almost every record because you just can't always control your environment. Let's hear from Colour. There's like a train song, Steve Reich, yeah, different trains. He basically composed over some a composition of actual train riding and people and announcers of a train and stuff. And he just took it and 
he had this whole orchestra essentially behind this, you know, these American train rider, train riding motif. And so, you, you know, at the time it's more, you know, people, people go to, a, uh, they go to see a, an ensemble play by a composer, right. And they're not expecting to have this whole, this dissection of sound and philology built into this thing is very much, you know, setting the, setting the foundation for a lot of sample based music in the future, you know, academically people have been doing that stuff before, you know, but it was really took until the sampler MPC, you know, hit every corner <laughs> town then you could really sample everything. You didn't have to be a famous uh, composer. But yeah, different trains, I think is what it's called. Steve Reich. He does stuff like that. And there's other folks that will do things like his contemporaries, like John Cage. And they would go even so far as to like <laughs> explore what you might have heard of extended vocal techniques, bringing in a glossolalia almost into it, where it's like was glossolalia is the speaking in tongues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like where you're able to do this weird vocal improv where you're just like kind of, it's like you're kind of tapping into these more subconscious understanding of other languages potentially. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that yourself, just like start making noises and pretend like you're saying another language and just making it up. It's quite hard to, to try to do that. But you get in, I've done it a few times, just like on my own, just messing around. And it's kind of amazing what can come out. And it's just like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if that has some base <laughs> in some sort of reality or if I'm just making things up. Um, but sounds fun. And it feels, it feels like a, like a fun thing. Like you're making, you know, making things up can be fun. Um, or scatting, right? That's, that's another way to do that, to kind of fill in the blanks. And just focus on the like I'll do that actually when I'm when I'm composing I'll I'll come over I'll have if I have a melody and I'm trying to come up with the vocal vocal melody to put over it I'll just kind of sing whatever consonants and vowel combinations and just do it all improv and then really interesting melodies and and rhythms come out by just improving and even if i don't have the words fully fleshed out i can like take key words and key melodies that i like or key sounds rather like oh that's a hard a vowel or a soft a or there's this like rhythm of this these in i'll try to at least come up with and it, you know i don't do this for every song but occasionally i'll do that and i'm trying to get better at and, and incorporate that technique where it's just kind of like focusing more on the sounds of things and how things are going to go before focusing on the specific word choice. And it's a melody centric way of writing, you know, but when you can, you know, there's pros and cons of writing that way, I'm sure. But, you know, people who can really scat really well, it's really impressive. You're just like, what is happening with their mouth? It's like, they're not saying word like words in the English language, but they're just focusing on these vowel sounds and the way that the mouth moves based on what vowels or what consonants you're doing. Like I know there are certain types of sounds, not like there, I know there's like diphthongs too, which like is like why the, the sound Y is technically two sounds. There's Y it's like Y E Y E. So there's two there's two different sounds and there's a bunch of other ones that are, that are diphthongs too, but, and certain things are pitched and certain things aren't like the t, t, 
a t sound is is doesn't have a pitch. It's more of like an it's more like noise or like white noise. It's it's like it's kind of it's closer to white noise than a, than an actual pitched sound. And there's I, I joined a choir recently. My uncle's a choir director around where I live here, and I joined. And he and he started. He's been starting to give me like give me lessons on all this stuff, and he was teaching me about choir directing a little bit and how to how to write music for a four part choir. And I didn't, you know, that, so those are the types of things you think uh, have started to think about when he was bringing it, bringing it up about when you have a four different voices speaking at once and how to make certain sounds. Sometimes you, you have to just add another vowel or another consonant on it because the way that we sing is different than the way that we talk. So you won't hear some specific, uh, invocation of a certain particular type of noise at the end of a statement or something you have to like add another vowel to like complete it even though it's like a little hack you know you have to do it but limits to that stuff too but it's interesting because some of those folks in the choir do extended vocal te techniques too there's this in in the local opera theater he, um, company here in milwaukee and they're doing crazy stuff like screaming and like these great like you know yoko onos <laughs> you know <"Wah!"> like <laughs> it's really weird weird noises and but it's super impressive when the because these people are like they're doing that because they're past they're already past singing regular melodies <laughs> and regular rhythms they're like yeah we, we, are, we already know how to do all that now i'm trying to like become a you know and there are people that are really good at that and you can hear it in a lot of like films and stuff too. You can hear noises and you'd be like, that's a human making that noise. Like, it, you know, like I can hear some of the things where it's like, like I'm making a song right now about the Zodiac and I was able to go and, and make different noises, try to mimic different animal noises. Um, but just by just, and just alter it by doing simple simple sound manipulation of either reverse pitch shifting squashing it or stretching it or like duplicating it not putting through any synthesis really just like simple transient altering and i was able to come up with some really really compelling sounding noises of animals and i was like whoa some of them weren't as good i'd have to like practice over and over and come up with a good sound that would be better like okay i'm trying to make a rooster noise how the hell am i going to make a rooster noise like or but i made this one tiger roar and it was blew me away because it sounded so real after it it was because i just stretched it out and lowered the pitch slightly and i was like impressed i was like whoa just by that alone i would i if someone played me that tiger noise i would have i could have told i could have guessed that it was a real sample of a tiger it's like wow and I've been birding well, you, a lot lately too. And there's some. You, there's you got another career ahead of you here with uh, <laughs> the animal noises. It's like man. sound design, yeah. It was fun. I always liked making, <laughs> like mimicking animals. I'm never, I'm not like amazing at it, but I spent a lot of more time than than some other kids growing up making noises. And I mean, it's no wonder I went into making music and trying to end up being and singing because it's really the same a similar thing of just mimicking like i watched this one documentary about Mong a tuvian throat singer i think it was or a mongolian throat singer and they were making all these like bird and animal noises in the middle of their song and i was blown away by how intense for the you know they were going from these throat singing overtones 
which is more advanced, you know, singing. These are part of the vocal extended vocal techniques techniques in the Western world. And then then he started to just go into all these noises and they interviewed him and they're like, what made you become a musician? He's like, well, all the kids in my town, there's a game we had all play to try to like mimic the sounds of the birds and of the animals. And that's part of a game of us growing up was who's good at mimicking it. And then the kids that are really good at it, they end up like becoming musicians because that's, you know, like I said before, like there's human sound and then there's animals, animal sound, but you know, I'm not, I don't know how much we're influenced by the language of, of animals growing up, like hearing birds and the, and the wide variety of bird noises and starting to like hear them more. I've been birding during this quarantine time this last year and I've been hearing a lot more sounds than I originally, you know, and trying to actually discern them when you go out into the woods. I have a friend who's a big birder and he's getting me into it and we'll go out in the woods and he can discern the calls of all different animals and he can hear them when there's a five different calls at once, he can hear them all distinctly, you know, and it's crazy, it's, you know, but you tune yourself to that. You attune yourself to that. And, you know, the human cognition is capable of doing a lot, you know, with that. And you wonder how much of rhythms of, like of the, of particularly, you know, like regional sounds of humans might be influenced by the, the types of animals that are in that environment. I don't know. That's a good, I, I'm sure someone's looking into that, but I'd be interested to see that, to see uh, the results of someone who's looking into that. Cause I wonder, wonder if, because, you know, if there's robins and only this type of area, like how often do you hear the, you know, the certain intervals of a robin melodies in the music, you know? I don't know. There, there might be something there with that. Yeah, just subconsciously uh, infiltrating yeah. into a pair of people's minds like that. Let's hear from Chris Christodoulou. I've used musical instruments in a way that they're not supposed to use. You be used like I have. I have a violin here that I don't. Have the first idea how to play it, but I've also I've often recorded it as a as a percussion or scratching the the strings and making weird sounds. Uh, as far as non musical stuff, I've recorded coffee cans. I have different sizes of coffee cans that I use for percussion, and I've I've done that a few times. Uh, bottles. Uh, at some point, we we've been recording like just hitting on bottles, either with uh, our fingers or with other objects like pens and stuff like that and I've often used recordings that I have like field recordings I have a just a z typical zoom recorder and sometimes I have it with me and when I'm out I might record stuff so I have used uh, in my music I've used sounds of people demonstrating or just random traffic and these are usually sounds that I uh, or even recorded water of course like waves and stuff or rivers and usually I don't use them in you know in a diegetic sense like this is a, a crowd shouting or traffic I process it somehow try to make uh, you know pads or do granular synthesis on them and create different sounds from it or or tonal sounds sometimes you know or, or even rhythmic sounds that are kind of you know like chopped up things that start to disassociate themselves from the original source and be something entirely new. 
So in that sense, but I can't I can't say by any means that this is like a standard practice for me. It's like a, I sometimes feel experimental and do things like that. Let's hear from Neo Geo. It does happen on almost every track I've worked on. There's usually some element or many. Uh, either just out in nature, I love to go around just recording the sound of even just the wind in different types of trees or in different kinds of weather can make very different sounds that you can use for all sorts of a background ambience or like a sweeping effect into a transition of something. But usually as well, just anything sort of um, like a more specific one. If I have a sound of uh, a fruit, for example, in one of my songs, a pomelo, I'm not sure what it's called in English. In Danish, it's called pomelo. It's sort of a large citrus fruit, and when you crack that open in just the right way, it makes the most satisfying crunch. It's just... I have that sound in a few of my songs, actually, because it's just so delicious. Usually there's a lot of percussion, because you can so easily generate all these sort of little random ticks and talks. Like, this is a bottle cap. And you can throw it in a few different ways. And you can just sort of chop these little things up, or, you know... The sound of tape being drawn when you just get that little that little sort of flickering can make some very interesting little percussion. If you're just looking for something unique, if you don't want to necessarily go through samples that somebody else made, if you don't want to have to sit there and do it electronically, you can just fiddle with something and use that somehow. Let's hear from John Bartman. Oh, there it is. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Yeah. It's just a stock standard metal salad bowl. I'm going to interrupt it because it's got like a decay time of 20 seconds. Uh, it's I used it with a sort of a trap beat, so it's like... ringing and then you hit it again and it just like refreshes the ring so that's just the standard salad bowl and use that there's a there's a time when i was teaching in korea that i uh, made a video with the sounds of a chopping board so i was like cooking dinner and um recording it recording the sounds of chopping onions and things and then i used the uh, sound of like the onion actually frying in the pan to create like a very high pitched sizzle and all sorts of things the microwave beeping all that kind of kitchen type stuff um, there's a video around there somewhere I can also send through. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that isn't really, there's nothing that isn't, that can't be musical. I mean, like you can, you can turn anything into, into air. And then I've got a bunch of uh, instruments and I mean, a lot of like just toys, you know, like kids' toys and things that um, create cool sounds. Um, you know, even like those types of like guitars or flutes or like things that you buy as a souvenir overseas those can even bring out some interesting sounds. Like something doesn't have to really sound very professional for it to, to, to have an interesting sound. Like most of, the, most of the interesting sounding objects are not designed for uh, music use at all, you know, like a salad bowl. Like, so it's, it's, you kind of look at things in a different way when you've got a musical ear, you kind of look at everything in terms of how, uh, how it could sound and uh, what its potential is, you know? 
in particular that salad bowl just sounds like a sounds like a church bell to me when, yeah. you, when you're just ringing it like that you know um it's got got makes a great it wasn't designed to do that it was designed to hold salad that's right now let's finish off this week's episode by listening to and i am not exaggerating here my favorite song of all time this is orange by pascal pinon the mysterious Pascal Pinon, who I've messaged a few times and not heard back from, so I don't officially have permission to use this. I'm not complaining about them not getting back to me, by the way. I quite like the fact that they're remaining these mysterious, genius figures. I'm going to play the song anyway, because I've finally found an excuse to do so. There's a moment in the song where you hear a page being turned in the sheet music. From what I understand, this sound was not supposed to be there, but they kept it in. Listen out for it. I think it adds something to the experience of listening to the song, some extra layer of authenticity, perhaps. Also, there are some other unidentified sound effects within the track. There is some speculation that these noises are actually sampled from R2-D2 from Star Wars. This is an unverified claim. You know when you get into the (laughs) fall down the rabbit hole of reading YouTube comments? Anyway, here's the greatest song ever written. I could say much more about why. It's the greatest song ever written, and perhaps I'll do that one of these days. For now, here's the actual song, Orange by Pascal Pinon. I had a lover One life on flying far overseas Too soon it was over It was bittersweet And he said
I Like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. A complete list of source material can be found in the show notes. Many, many thanks to this week's guests, David Evar from Herman Dune, Asher, Georgia Train, Culler, Chris Christodoulou, Neo Geo and John Bartman. Many thanks also to the mysterious Pascal Pinon for the use of their song Orange. If you like that as much as I did, there is a wealth of other stuff out there. It's from the album Sunder, which is an absolute masterpiece, as is everything else produced by Pascal Pinon. See also JFDR. I'm a fan, if that's not clear already. Also, of course, do check out the music of this week's guests. There's some absolutely um, amazing stuff out there from all the people that you've heard from today. So the links are in the show notes. My website is frankburton.co.uk. My new novel, Getting Away With It, is out now, and it's brilliant. The audiobook version is on Bandcap, currently set to Name Your Price. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ragbagpresents. Please do share this show around, give us a rating and review. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon. <laughs>